go right into my message here. This one's called uh, Level Up Your Faith. Yeah. It took me a long time to make this PowerPoint, by the way, so you better appreciate it. Um, and basically kind of my premise is I've really been thinking about how in church, you know, post-COVID especially, there's been a lot of apathy and complacency, laziness, and there's also fatigue, depression, frustration, cynicism, offense, hurt, and burnout. You know, there's been a lot of gunk getting up into our, our souls, you know, gunking up our gears, messing up our spiritual life. You know, I recognize this in my own life too. You know, I especially noticed over the summer, like I felt so burnt out around August, just burnt to a crisp. I was not feeling myself. I just felt fatigued mentally. And so I had to kind of put in some, this extra work to get out of that funk, clean up, you know, the stuff within me and, you know, put some work in there. And I don't know, the past number of weeks, I don't even know how long, but this verse had just been bouncing around my head, Second Peter 1, 5, that says, we are to make every effort to add to our faith. Every effort. And I've been thinking to myself, uh, do I do this? Do we do this? Does the church do this? Is this something that we actually do? Are we making every effort to add to our faith? See, it's very easy for like the stuff of the world, the junk of the world to add up in your life. Very easy. Very easy for that to multiply. But for us to add, you can, oh, I'm not on the scripture yet. Go back to my cool title slide. This is my intro. But anyways, thinking, do we actually do this? Do we actually add up in our faith? Are we, are we adding up in our faith? Because, you know, the stuff the world's adding up, so are we adding up in our faith? So I had this, this thing in my head saying, something's not adding up, something's not adding up. And initially that was the title I messaged, and I was like, Chris, you can't be negative like that. And so I was like, okay, I got to come up with a more positive motif here. So we went with level up your faith. Inspired by my adventures in the 1990s playing Super Mario. Some of you can relate. Some of you were like, what's he talking about? But anyways, I, I went with a video game motif. Particularly because, you know, in, the video, in video games, it's very common for the hero to have to level up, to grow in their skill set throughout the journey they're on. If you've never played anything like that, don't worry about it. You've probably read a book or you've watched a movie. The same thing needs to happen, that the hero of the story needs to level up. They need to grow in their skill set. They need to go through um, this, this arc. There needs to be this growth in their character. That's what makes movies good and stories good. We see the growth of a character. See, and our journey of faith is no different. We need to have this, this growth arc. We need to be leveling up throughout our life. Continually growing to new levels. So anyways, now we're going to go to Second Peter 1, verses 3 to 11. And then after that, you're going to see I packed in a lot of scripture into this message. And that's because, you know, this is really a motivational method, message saying, you know, we need to level up our faith and to inspire you to level up your faith, to go in, in, into new levels with Jesus. And, you know, for some of you, this message is going to be like just some wind in your sails. Others of you, maybe this is like a swift kick in the pants. But anyways, so I'm going to rely on scripture so it's the Holy Spirit that's either putting the wind in your sails or kicking you in the pants. Whatever you need. We minister to people of all types here. <laughs> but anyways, here we go. Let's get into some scripture. Second Peter 1, 3 through 11. Since his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So my first point, which comes from kind of the first part of this scripture, is that there really is no excuse. So as Christians, there's really no excuse for us not to be leveling up our faith, to, grow, to be growing in our faith. And that's because when we become a Christian, God puts his very spirit within us. We become a new creation. And God says that spirit, that the scripture says that that very spirit that's within us is the same one that, that um, raised Christ from the grave. Same spirit. So it's some major supernatural power that's living inside you. Living inside you with this new divine nature, this new God-given nature that has replaced your sinful nature. Furthermore, with, this, with scripture that we have, we get to stand on all sorts of promises of God. So when you have this new nature, you have the spirit of God within you. You have all these promises of God. We really have no excuse. That's the context of those first few lines of Second Peter. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Given us everything, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So for this very reason, because of all of that stuff, Make every effort to add to your faith. See, we often have like this litany of excuses of why we don't add to our faith, why we aren't growing in our faith. And those are quite famous uh, scripturally as well. Pretty well everybody had an excuse for God of why they weren't going to go where God needed them to go. Very common, you're in great company. Uh, if you're filled with excuses, we all are. But the funny thing is, is that every single excuse that we could ever come up with is bogus. It's entirely bogus. Because we've been given everything we need. Everything we need to live the godly life that we've been called to live. God happens to be able to very easily see through all of our ridiculous excuses. Even the ones we've convinced ourselves sound really, really good. Because the thing is, whatever our excuse is for not growing in our faith, leveling up in our faith... Whatever we've put in the way, the thing is, none of that is more powerful than the very Spirit of God. Every obstacle that we think is in the way is actually very easily overcomable for Jesus. So truly, we have no excuse. 2 Timothy 1.7, one of my favorite verses says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. With those three things, you can do anything. You can push through anything. 
So with all that said, with there being no excuse, it will bring us to our second point, which is to make every effort. See, we should be trying our absolute best to level up in our faith, to grow in our faith. Because there's really no excuse. With all the divine help that we have, there's really no excuse for us not to be leveling up in our faith. 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7, it, it lists off you know, all sorts of different things we should be adding to our faith. And we're going to kind of go through each of those one by one. Um, so we're going to have a subset of points. So this is two, and it's going to be subset, you know, subpoint A for those keeping notes. First one that it brings up is the first thing to add to our faith is goodness. So we need to grow in our faith continually and to learn better and better, you know, what is good and what is evil and to walk in goodness. We need to be able to walk in what's right and continually get better and better at that. Paul writes to the Roman church in Romans 16, 19. This is one of those, one of those scriptures I learned as a little kid actually via a song. It says, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So we need to grow in our wisdom about what is good and continue to grow in our innocence about what is evil. There's another scripture here. This one's, this one's pretty spicy. This is pretty spicy scripture. This comes from Hebrews 5 here. Uh, it's pretty sharp. No punches are pulled in this one. I'm just going to read it. It's kind of funny to read, read these sometimes. But anyways, here we go. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. It says, there is so much more that we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who are training, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So the writers of Hebrews, which we don't 100% know because they didn't sign that one, they were really trying to key home on, hey, like, you guys have been Christians for a while now. It's time to move past the milk onto the meat. Time to get into kind of the, the more advanced things. And so we can really recognize, you know, that, that difference between right and wrong. So we need to walk in goodness. That's, we need, that's something we need to add to our faith. Secondly, B, we're going to go into B, which is Knowledge. Another thing we need to add to our faith is knowledge. Specifically, we'll start with our knowledge of who God is. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, or the beginning of knowledge. Uh, what that means is basically, the, um, it's not being like petrified of, of God. and that it's, it's more so like giving him the respect he deserves and really getting to know who he is. And that kind of gives you a new lens of how you look at everything else. When you realize who God is, what he stands for, how powerful he is, that changes your entire worldview. So that's the beginning of knowledge, of really knowing who God is, what he's all about. It'll change the way you look at everything else. James 1.5 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. So God has no problem you know, helping you out, helping you level up your faith. If you need to grow in your wisdom, you need to grow in your knowledge, just ask God and say, God, I need a download. I need, I need your help with something here. And God is very generous, and he'll help you there. Uh, thirdly, another, another type of a knowledge that we need to grow in in our faith is we need to be able to articulate why we believe what we believe. First Peter 3.15 says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. 
always be ready to explain it. So can you just, just think through in yourself, in your, own, in your own faith journey, do you have the ability right now to articulate why you believe what you believe? Can you actually give a convincing case to somebody of why you believe what you, what you believe? You know, or how's your theological study going? Can you answer some of the harder questions that are out there? Have you put in the work to study that kind of stuff? Do you know the finer points of the faith? Or are you still on the basics? If someone is criticizing your faith, do you have an ability to defend it? Are you learning how to do that? So that's another thing we need to add to our faith. Knowledge. Thirdly, self-control. See self-control. Are we, getting our, are, are we getting better over time at not going back into our old ways and getting into the same messes, you know, that we used to be in? Are we getting better at staying away from the sinful stuff that used to trip us up a long time ago? Or, you know, are we building discipline into our life to ensure that we're leveling up our faith? Do we have time set aside to make sure we're leveling up in our faith, growing in our faith, pursuing God? Or do we, do we even have the self-control to, like, um, not allow our lives to just be completely and utterly filled up by a bunch of worldly things? Are, do we have the self-control to guard our life to ensure that, you know, what, what actually matters, you know, we're spending time with? Proverbs 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. It means you're very, very susceptible to attack. It's very easy you know, for the enemy to roll into your life and wreak all sorts of chaos if you don't have sinful, sorry, if you don't have self-control. If you're not guarding your time with God, it's very easy for the devil to come in and, and just plunder your life. So self-control is very important. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he likes to use kind of a lot of athletic metaphors. I like to use metaphors too. Today we're rolling with a bunch of video game characters for fun. Just keep them kids in here entertained. But anyways, a lot of athletic metaphors are in Paul's writings. And this next selection we're going to read here um, talks about kind of the race of, of faith. The, you know, the race we're running with faith is a lot like running in the natural. So here we go, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. So don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Another, another translation would say I'm not just punching at air. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul's kind of making that analogy. You see how much like a, these Olympic athletes are training to do their, you know, their, their running, do their event. You got to think of yourself like that, but in the realm of faith. Am I putting in a bunch of training so that, you know, I, I can do some, I can win the prize. I can go for gold. I can do something amazing and incredible. We're, we're running to win faith-wise. Our next point here is D, perseverance. This is an important one because eventually the rubber is going to meet the road. Eventually things are going to get hard. We're going to have to put our faith into action. 
Jesus guarantees this in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Here on earth we will have many trials and sorrows. For a lot of people, this knocks out their faith. This takes the wind right out of their sails. This ends things for them. But Jesus says in these moments, we need to take heart because he's overcome the world. We're going to go through some things. They're going to be hard. They're going to make us question our faith, question all sorts of things. But through these things, we need to persevere in our faith. We need to have perseverance and endurance built up. And we need to have this belief that whatever we're facing, whatever suffering we're facing, whatever difficulty we're going through, it can be overcome. We need to believe that God can turn our mourning into dancing and our sorrows into joy. He can make beauty from our ashes. We have this beautiful example of endurance, of perseverance in the story of Jesus. Because he persevered through everything that was thrown at him. And he went through things we'll never have to go through. But he was able to persevere through all of that and live the life that he was called to live. And we can follow in his examples. Hebrews 12.1 it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance or perseverance, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. We look to Jesus as our example, someone that persevered, even persevered to the point of going to the cross, enduring the cross, disregarding the shame and embarrassment of all of that. So Jesus is our example of perseverance. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Another thing to keep in mind is that victory is just around the corner. Blessing is just around the corner. It might look bad right now. Suffering's hard right now. There's a lot of pain and hurt right now, but there's still a blessing coming. And we need to be able to look forward to that and persevere through the pain and the hurt, looking towards the blessing. If we give up, we won't, we, we won't get to harvest the blessing that God has for us. Romans 5, 3 to 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's a really wild way of looking at hurt and pain and suffering in this world. You can rejoice when you're facing problems and trials. That's radically different than the way we usually operate. (laughs) You can rejoice when you're facing those problems because you know that this this problem that you're facing, the suffering that you're going through is just going to help you develop perseverance and endurance. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to grow in your character. And because you've gone through all that, you're going to have a new confident hope and who Jesus is and how he saved you. You know, some of you have had pretty difficult things that have gone through. But now that you've gone through that, you know that you can handle anything. 
That's kind of the blessing that can happen when we go through suffering and hurt and pain, is it can develop an amazing perseverance in you. And so when you're facing all sorts of little things that can trip up other people, you can say, oh, this ain't nothing. God has brought me through far worse, and he's going to bring me through this too. It can bring in an extraordinary faith within you. So think of these moments of pain and hurt as an opportunity to level up in your faith. I'd say there's probably, there's probably no greater time in your, in your life where your faith can just explode in an amazing and incredible way when you're going through hurt and pain, when you're going through suffering, when times are tough. That can be kind of the, the linchpin of your faith just, just rocketing up to a whole new level. So don't miss that. If you could be going through some hurt and pain right now. But something amazing and incredible can come through this. And your faith on the other side of this can be at a whole other level. We're going to go over to E, our next point here, which is godliness. So this needs to be a continual goal of ours, to grow in more and more and more, to be more and more like Jesus. That our life should look more and more like God. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says, Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. See, Christianity isn't just about, you know, getting access to heaven. It's about God blessing your life here and now. And when we walk in godliness... There's benefits to this in this life and also the next, to, the next life to come. It will bless your life. Here's some neat ones that are in Psalm 1. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked, they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So first off, I said, you know, do, do you want a life filled with joy? It says, oh, the joys, oh, the joys of those that are godly. Do, do you want your life to be filled with joy? You need to grow in our godliness. To grow to be being more and more like Jesus. Do we want to bear fruit in every season? We need to be more and more like Jesus. Do we, want, do, do we want to be secure in who we are and who we are in God? We need to be more and more like Jesus. We need to walk in godliness. Do you want to prosper in all that you do? We need godliness. We need to be more and more like Jesus. Do you want the Lord to watch over your path every step that you take? You need to walk in godliness. So leveling up our godliness, it comes with a lot of benefits here on this earth and in the next to come. Next letter here is F. Mutual affection, also known as brotherly love. And what that is, it's like kind of like friendship level love. It's a lower level of love. This is something we need to be leveling up in continually, growing in getting better at being friendly with one another, honoring each other, encouraging one another. The church should be the best at this in the entire world. 
This should be the best atmosphere you want to be in because it's very encouraging. People are friendly to you. They honor you. They love you with you know, this brotherly love. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That should be something you love to do, honoring somebody. It should be a fun thing that you get to do, honoring people, treating them the way that God wants them to be treated. 1 John 4.19 through 21 says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's kind of like Christianity 101. If God is love, love needs to flow out of us. If we believe in God and we have a relationship with him, we've been given this new divine nature. This love for one another needs to flow out of us. This is something we need to get better at because, yeah, it's hard to love people sometimes, even within the church. Maybe people that offended you or hurt you or you just maybe just clash with on a personality level. But it's something we need to continually grow and to get better and better at loving one another, growing in this brotherly love, this, this genuine affection for one another. We need to get better and better at honoring one another, encouraging one another, lifting each other up. It's an important aspect of our faith we need to grow in. Finally, we get to G which is love. And this is agape love. This is God's love. This is the highest level of love, something we need to level up in. See, God's love, it's unconditional and it's self-sacrificing. And we need to grow in this. We need to know this. We need to know what God's love is. We need to know what God's love is towards us and we also know what, know what God's love is towards others. We need to level up in this area. John... Uh, 15, 13 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That ability to put other people first, to consider other people's needs above your own. To have a, to have a love that's self-sacrificing, that's not looking to get paid back, that'll actually just be giving. Not necessarily worried about receiving. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. See, that's one of the biggest ways people can encounter who God is is when they are loved in the same way that God loves them, through someone that has this self-sacrificial love towards them, this very giving love towards them, this unconditional love towards them. That's real love. That's something we need to level up in. That's not our natural inclination. You know, deep down we're pretty selfish people. So it's hard to, you know, to, to love in a way that's unselfish, that's unconditional. Something we need to level up in our faith and grow in our faith. And thirdly, our third point now is that kind of the point of why we're doing this. Why are we leveling up in our faith? Why, why are we growing in our faith? And that's because we're in it to win it. You know, in this game of life, and we're playing to win. 
Think of whether it's video games or whether it's a movie or a book. If the character of the story never grows, they never win. They never get to, you know, to the end of the story where they're supposed to be. They never go on the adventures that they're supposed to be. They never make that amazing, great story. See, when we're not leveling up in our faith, we're setting ourselves up to lose. You know, soon enough, it's game over. But leveling up in your faith, you know, making, making that effort to continually grow in your faith, it will prevent you from losing. 2 Peter 1, 8 through 9, says if we possess these qualities, these ones we just mentioned, in increasing measure, they're growing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. See, whatever we've been given by God, and we've all been given a lot, it's our job to multiply that and to grow it, to level it up. And when we're leveling up our faith and our gifts, it's not just for our benefit, but it's for everyone else's benefit too, the church body, but also everyone outside the church as well. See, we don't want to be ineffective and unproductive. We were, we were built and designed by God to make a difference, to save the world. That's what we are called to. And if you want to partake in the most amazing mission and purpose for your life that could ever be given, we need to be leveling up and growing in our faith. You know, and, and Christians that aren't, aren't doing this, you know, Scripture says that you know, they're nearsighted and blind. You know, they've just missed the point. They've, they've, they're not really understanding what it means to be a Christian if you're not you know, growing in your faith. Romans 12, and I'll just, read, I'll just read about half of this just for the sake of some time here. Um, I'll just read 6 to 8 here. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So whatever God has given you, we need to use it and we need to, we need to grow in it. He's put it in us for a reason. And it's an amazing purpose and it's an amazing reason he's put all that within us. To help be a part of, you know, that mission to save the world. You might not think of the gifts within you as important, but God put them there for a very specific reason. Because you have this part to play. You're part of this team. And when you're, when you're not playing your role as a team, the whole team suffers, not just you. So it's our responsibility that we need to take very seriously. What has God given me? I need to be walking in that. Here's this thing that happens, again, because we're kind of just uh, selfish people. We struggle with this. We've all done this, self-included. Often we get frustrated with God and we say, you know, hey, why aren't things happening for me? Why aren't things, you know, super good? Times aren't great right now. And we get mad at God and we say, you know, where have you been? Where have you been? I did it to God one time, I think uh, more than one time. But at one time in particular, <laughs> a few months ago, I was mad. I was frustrated. It's in my office. And I just said, God, where have you been? Where have you been? And he fired back at me real quick. He said, Chris, where have you been? And I realized it wasn't him that was on, <laughs> it wasn't him that was lacking, it was me. One of my favorite verses, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. 
Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So you can't mock the justice of God. Kind of the way the world is kind of all set up, kind of like God's economy on things, is that you, you reap what you sow, you harvest what you plant. If you put the work into your faith, you'll see a harvest from that. If you don't, you're not going to see a harvest. So a lot of the time we're like, God, you know, where have you been? Why, why, why am I not seeing X, Y, and Z? Why am I still struggling with this? You know, what's going on? Are we, are we, have we been sowing? Have we been putting the time in to grow in our faith? If we're not seeing a harvest, there might be a reason for it. So if we, if we want to win, you know, if we want to win the grand prize, if we're really in it to win it, we need to make sure that we're putting the work in. We need to make sure we're leveling up our faith. So in conclusion, you know, it's not, it's not, not actually just the pastor's job to get people moving in the right direction. To get people, you know, leveling up their faith and growing their faith. Again, you know, Sunday mornings, it's actually just 1% of all the hours that you're awake in the week. And if this is the only time that you're, you're like, you're growing in your faith, I'm sorry, but your faith is starving. So it's, first and foremost, it's our own responsibility to grow our own faith. Secondly, it's actually our responsibility to help each other grow their faith as well. All of us have that responsibility. This is not, a, this is not something that we do by, ourse- by ourselves, completely by ourselves in this vacuum, you know. We need each other. We need each other to help each other grow in our faith, to help each other keep our eyes on the prize, to help each other live our lives the way that God has called us to live them. We need the encouragement of others. We need the accountability of others. We need the love of others, the support of others, the belief of others, the faith of others. We need each other. People need you. They need you to help, become, to help them become the person that God has called them to be. You have a part to play, and it's significant. Every role that God has for us is significant. It's of value. So we have this responsibility to each other within this body of Christ to help each other go towards what God has called us to. Hebrews 10, verse 24, sorry, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I think this was written 2,000 years ago. And they're like, time, and they were like, you know, time's of the essence. Time is running out. We need to make sure that we're holding on to our faith. We can't waver from this. And that's kind of the attitude that we're supposed to have is like Jesus could come back tomorrow. We need to hold this together. We need to go for gold. And we need to think of ways, get creative. About how can we motivate one another? Spur each other on. Another translation says, spur each other on acts of love and good works. We can't neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Because when you do that, you're missing out of the encouragement that you need, and people are missing out of the encouragement that you can give. And people need that, and you need it. Let's read from the book of Jude here. There's just a couple, uh, a couple of verses here, uh, verses 20 to 23. 
So you, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them through the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. That's another verse that's been just kind of going around and around in my head is we must build each other up in our most holy faith. Are we building each other up? It's one thing to add to your own faith. It's another to build up somebody else's. Once again, that's not your natural inclination because our natural inclination, our sinful nature is to be completely selfish and self-centered. But when we're really getting things, when we're really understanding of who God is, we can have this focus towards not just building up our own faith, but building up others as well. We each, we each, know every, we, each and every of us, we know, we know somebody whose faith is struggling. And our response to that is to very mercy, with, with mercy, we need to have mercy towards them and help them and to rescue them out of kind of the, the funk that they're in. We need to do that with love, not with condemnation. Not being mean about it, but loving someone. Because, again, we have all struggled. We have, we have all gone through things where we have questioned our faith, where we've gone backwards. You know, we've put our, our faith kind of in neutral or even in reverse. We've all done that. And so kind of having the mercy and the self-awareness to help people out in those moments. People need that. When people are struggling, they need help. They need mercy, they need love, not condemnation. So we must build each other up in our most holy faith. When it comes to leveling up your faith, you don't just need to do all the work yourself. You need, you need other people's help as well. You need to be focused on helping others as well. That's how this all works. That's something that's so amazing and incredible about the body of Christ is that we're here for one another. We're stronger together, we're better together. So just as we kind of conclude, the three things to remember is that, you know, why should we be leveling up our faith is that we have no excuse not to. The very power that raised Jesus from the grave lives within us. So whatever obstacles we are facing, whatever excuses we have, none of them are, none of them are, they're not valid, you know, they're, they're all bogus. We have no excuse not to be leveling up our faith. Secondly, because we have no excuse, we need to be putting in every effort. You know, it's like the runway is cleared, so let's take off. We need to put in every effort to level up in our faith. Thirdly, it's because we're in it to win it. We're here to change the world. We're here to rescue people. We're here to make an amazing, eternal impact. Life and death eternally are at stake. And we're on team life. We're in it to win it. So we need to bring forth you know, our best effort. And finally, we need to look beyond ourselves. It's not just our faith we need to worry about. You know, it's, it, it's other people's that we're helping out as well, who we're pouring into. And we're open to being poured into others as well, to be encouraged by others. We're, we need to be together in this. We're a team.
I'm just going to end in prayer here this morning. And after I'm done, if you happen to want prayer for any, uh, any reason whatsoever, we'd love to pray with you. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in a God that is very present, who cares about everything that's going on in our life. So we'd love to pray for you. So yeah, let's just end in prayer here. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's, it's, it's inspiring and it's motivating. And thank you, God, that you love us enough to not just leave us the way that we are, but you want to see us grow. God, as we think of all of these fictional stories that we like in all the different kind of venues they're told, we like to see a hero progress and to grow. We like to see that character development. We like to see them level up and grow and face greater challenges. And God, that's, you know, that love, that love towards that kind of stuff, that's within us for a reason because that's the kind of life we're designed to live. A life of adventure, a life of conquering all sorts of evil stuff thrown our way. So God, I pray there's going to be a passion that just rises within us that, you know, it's time to level up. It's time to go to a whole new level with God. It's time to take this seriously. It's time to really grow in my faith. Because there's an adventure that God has for me that I need to level up in order to live, live that adventure. God, I also pray people can just look beyond themselves in this moment as well and realize that they have an amazing part to play in the faith journeys of everybody else within this congregation and even beyond this congregation. That there's gifts that God has put in within them that can have a massive impact on people's lives, that can be a tremendous encouragement, that they could be the missing puzzle pieces in somebody else's life. God, I pray that just a passion arises within us to be generous in our giving towards one another, in our serving towards one another, in our honoring towards one another, and in our encouraging towards one another. God, we want to see this church level up. We want to see this church as a whole grow closer and closer to you so we can go on greater and greater adventures with you, so we can have a greater and greater impact towards this region for you. So I pray, God, we can help keep each other accountable towards that and keep our eyes on the prize and help spur each other on towards this goal of growing closer and closer to God and being more and more like Jesus. God, I pray you're going to be with your people as we leave, that this word is just going to continue to speak to them. God, even as uh, Halloween weekend comes, and they see all these kids dressed up in all these different characters that they'll just remember, hey, I'm on a journey of character development. I'm on a journey of growing closer and closer to God. I'm on an adventure too. I just pray that this will just stick within their hearts and it would minister, minister to them again and again. In your name we pray, amen.